Hey everyone, Austin Schneider here. Welcome to Rise Podcast, where we talk about real influence, self-development, and entrepreneurship. Wow, that's all I can say about this podcast. I was super fortunate to have a great friend, one of my favorite leaders, humans, disciples, and communicators join me on my podcast, Obed Martinez. Obed is a life-giving leader, senior pastor of Destiny Church out of the Coachella Valley in Southern California, a highly successful entrepreneur and coach, and I'm grateful to call him a friend. In this podcast, we talk about leadership, what it means to be your authentic self, and what true success looks like. This is going to be worth your time, so take notes and soak it in. And if you like the interview, I would just ask one thing, if you share it with someone that you think would benefit from it. I started this podcast so I can help get inspiring messages out and allow people to see potential and locking in themselves to rise up in their personal and professional lives. And if it's not being shared, it's not fulfilling its purpose. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Rise Podcast. Hey, I'm absolutely honored to have Pastor Obed on the podcast. Yes. A crazy, anointed, wise leader that I've looked up to. And I really want to just preface this as like Pastor Obed was probably the one person that got me through quarantine in the whole coronavirus because you were jumping on live every morning. You were you were speaking life into so many people on on your Instagram lives and you were I don't know how you had the endurance to get through that every single freaking day, but those messages like got me going. Wow, that's so. awesome. Well I'm honored to be here with you, man. And super proud of you, what you're doing over here at Brantegic and your man. new podcast. And I remember uh, having a conversation about a year and a half ago, man, just over an idea. Yeah. And now it's, uh, it's, 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 I'm in it. I'm in this vision. And so it's beautiful, man. And so I love the fact that people who can actually speak something and then the action follows through with yeah. it and it comes into fruition. And to me, if I'm a person out there that's looking to be encouraged or looking to be motivated or inspired, um, I'd definitely be looking to you because uh, at the end of the day, you, your actions speak um, volumes now. Yeah. Pulls a lot of weight coming from you, man. Yeah, no, but I mean, I'm in this thing right now. I mean, yeah. This is awesome, man. Yeah, and really it's from learning from people like you, mm. like who are, have the fruit and have the podcast, putting out the knowledge, sharing what you've learned mm-hmm. along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm excited for, for this next 45 minutes to an hour because yeah. I want to pull some nuggets from you. Yes. And I think this next 45 minutes is going to be one of the best podcasts because there's going to be so many nuggets, so much, so many takeaways that people can go with. Yeah. And I hope people catch this and they can also take action, right? Yeah, and then they can get something like this or yeah. the fruit that you've had. So mm-hmm. I, want to, I want to dive into uh, first your story and then I want to really dive into leadership and vision. So one, would love to just kind of set the stage and just maybe give an intro of who you are, what you do, what you're yeah. about. Yeah, so, you know, um, man, grew up in a faith-based home uh, and probably like any other kid, rebelled um, and really became a, a Moses in the wilderness and uh, found uh, and refound faith on my own uh, at 16 and after uh, being and spending time in jail and prison and um, for four years in and out and uh, lost and hopeless. Um, And through the whole time, I was looking for significance. I was looking for guidance. Often tell people, um, gangs have better vision and strategy than even churches and companies. Um, They truly know how to disciple, you know? And so, um, and, uh, and landed up finding faith at 16 and went on and, I uh, went to college and landed up starting a consulting company. 
really always had a knack for system strategy and structure, just kind of the way my mind thinks. Um, and one day I was in Palm Springs. I was working with three other churches and an organization and I get on an airplane. I'm on my way to Charlotte and we circle around Palm Springs because of a windstorm. And I just kind of just felt this impression that, you know, you're to come here and start a, a church. And I'm like, man, there's no way I, I love L.A., man. This is the desert, you know. And uh, but I had no idea what it would move me into that. You know, I'm thinking we're going to the desert to start a movement, a church, and now it's four campuses, thriving yeah. like crazy. Um, but also something would awaken inside of me, which I've always had a knack for, and that was business um, and entrepreneurship. And so our, our culture, our community is really uh, a community of entrepreneurs, people that are, um, you know, going from survival, you know, from surviving to thriving and really want to succeed in life. And I think that oftentimes, um, in the church, a lot of the messages are really pertain to comebacks and restoration and great things like that. But there's really no promised land. There's yeah. really no, you know, not just becoming successful, but how do I stay successful? And uh, that's a promise in Joshua chapter one. And so, um, so that's what's been incredible. And um, I would, when I'm on an airplane and people ask me, what do you do? I say, well, I'm a pastorpreneur. It kind of always throws them so off. Good. Like, what are you talking about? And I say, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pastor by calling, but I am a, an entrepreneur by career, yeah. and um, and so I have the privilege of leading a great company, and yeah. um, and so other than that, that's that's kind of my story. Yeah, so good, and I think like one thing just in the ministry, like all the ministry that you've been in for many years and been able to sustain this, and like also the correlation with business is the definition of leadership. Yeah. And I'm sure it's been up and down and up and down and like throughout your times and trial by fire and all that stuff. How do you define leadership right now? Where are you well, at? I think leadership is really can be defined really in one word and it's principles. You know, at the end of the day, you're either going to be a person that's going to live by principles or pressure. And most people land up living by pressure because they don't apply no principles to their life. And um, when you think of some of the greatest leaders to ever walk on the face of this earth, what they were known for was principles. And they were, and those principles created disciplines in their life um, to get them from where they are to where their life needs to be. I think there's multiple facets and layers of leadership, but if you wanna really just kinda hone it down to a really small nozzle, it would be principles. And, and I think that at the end of the day, you're gonna, you know, when I, when I look at people, I can immediately know within a minute or two that you're probably a person that lives more by pressure than actually principles. You, you're making swift decisions, um, reactive decisions, um, and, and, and a lot of those are pressure-based uh, 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 decisions rather than living by principles. And great leaders don't create great followers. Great leaders create greater leaders by instituting incredible principles for them to live by and for them to pass on to someone else. I can't pass someone on my, I can't pass someone on my skill, but I can pass someone on my principles. And those same principles can go from one generation to the next and really create the leaders that people are willing to follow. Yeah, what sort of pressures are you seeing? You know, today that, that dilutes the leadership. And yeah, I think a lot of it is lack of planning. Um, I think a lot of it is lack of uh, focus. I think I've, I've, I always say it often. I've never met anybody that doesn't have a vision. I've met many people that have a vision, 
It's just most people don't know how to execute it. And if they do, they don't have the disciplines to stay in it in seasons in which often because of pressure, they'll land up bailing out of it mm -hmm. and forsaking the idea itself, uh, for forsaking the idea itself all by itself. So at the end of the day, a, a lot of people are, especially during this time, are making swift decisions. Yeah. Uh, they're making you know, feelings-based decisions yeah. um, rather than making decisions based on principles. Yeah, okay, so now I'm gonna flip it. What are the principles that you see are most successful for these leaders? You know, I think some of the greatest principles that, you know, I model, I think some of the greatest leaders out there model is they understand that uh, principles are attached to people. It doesn't matter what you do. People don't buy into product, people buy into people. Um, and at the end of the day, it's how you treat people. It's how kind you are. It's how courageous you are. It's by the principles of having um, non-negotiables in your life, by creating family time, um, you know, by not, allowing your success to make you busy, but rather make you fruitful. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, those types of principles, by having the right disciplines, uh, by creating uh, th uh, what I call theme days, yeah. um, and then living by those, and those being somewhat non-negotiable, um, I think really will get you further and faster and more prepared um, than somebody that was more operating from pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so having discipline, really. Yes in what you want, what you see, what you want to do. Yes. So what would be like the characteristics that would also follow from the principles? Like what are characteristics of a strong leader, of someone who is like active and growing? Because I'm sure you've had character checks throughout your career of leadership, especially in ministry. It's like, wow, like you're really tested. Like yeah. those books that you read really need to get put into life. What are the, the key characteristics that you see in successful leaders and also in yourself? Well, let me say this. I, I think that a lot of people in some degree, especially leaders, they want to build competency. They want to build capacity. I think all of those come from character. And I think at the end of the day, we want to enlarge our capacity, enlarge our competency. But at the end of the day, that is only measured by, how, by what size our character is, right? I think the first quality or characteristic that I felt was always challenging for me was being a listener. Um, you know, my mom always used to tell me, well, bad God gave you two ears and one mouth. What do you think he wants you to do most, right? He wants you to listen. And I think that somebody who's innovative like myself, very creative, and has this knack in them that wants to help people, it's easy for me to cut them off in the middle of a conversation because I want to give them an answer. And sometimes, I, I mean, I learned early on that being a listener allows me to really see the entire story. Um, I, I think being a listener, I think also being patient. Um, you know, if you're in a rush, it is because you didn't manage your schedule right, or in some degree you've procrastinated to a place to where now that decision has to be made swiftly. Um, and, and, and I think one thing that I love to teach other leaders is having patience. You know, the goal is not to get there fast. The goal is to get there prepared. Everything about our culture today is about fast, fast, fast. Let's get there fast. 20 something year olds want to be multimillionaires. They just want to get there fast. Um, but their character isn't prepared for that load of capacity and competency and that's why they crash. Um, and so I think it's, it's, it's being a listener. 
I think it's being patient. Um, and I think one quality and characteristic that we um, kind of overlook that I really believe is, is something that is very, very high today, especially on millennial leaders, um, is um, transparency. You know, I, I, I came up with this quote a few years ago that uh, transparency is the currency of elevation. I think if you really want to elevate and I think you really want people to buy into you, um, they need to know your defeats. They need to know your lessons before they can harness your leadership. And I think leaders who can be very transparent, um, because at the end of the day, people see your success, people hear of your success, but they don't ever know the story behind it. And one of the things that I've always said is that pain is an equalizer. It kind of transcends beyond uh, economic status, how you grew up, what your, what's your ethnicity. And one of the things that I always attempt to do um, is to really speak of something of my past that was somewhat painful um, because I know that's a connection point. Um, and I think that if you really want people to celebrate the successful person you are, um, you, need a, you need to connect with them with some sort of transparency. Yeah, so good. I love the love the listening aspect of it and asking questions. Yes. You know, I think me especially people like we just want to we want to we want to preach, we want to prove ourselves right, whatever it is, versus the the aspect of gaining humil- humility from asking the good questions. Yeah. 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 But I think asking questions really in some degree takes you on a journey. Um, you know, one of the things I've, I, I do often is that, you know, before I go to a meeting, um, I sit down and have quiet time and I reenact the meeting in my mind. Yeah. You know, what is, what, a, what is this meeting going to feel like? Yeah. Um, and then I pull out my phone and I write a bunch of questions. Yeah. Um, you know, when somebody comes meets with me and has a bunch of questions, I know they came prepared yeah. um, and, 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 and really don't want to waste time. Um, and it's something that I think a lot of people need to understand and really um, uh, know that if you want to get the most out of a leader, come with a lot of questions. John Maxwell taught me that. You know, I was, was part of his group that he was leading, leaders under 40, and those 12 of us for two years. And the first thing he taught us was how to ask questions. Yeah. And um, questions lead you on a journey. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it, it really steers the conversation of where you want it to go. For sure. Puts you in a state of humility. Yes. And learning. 100%. And understanding. Yes. So with like, like today's society, you know, 20 year old life coaches, everybody wants to be a millionaire, like yesterday, Instagram comparing, what would you say is the biggest like flaw or, or misunderstanding when it comes to, to leadership, especially in today's society? I think that, I, th- I think at the end of the day, the 20-somethings that want to be coaches and all those great things. I think it's more experimental than it is experience. And I think one of the things that we leave out is experience. And, um, you know, I walked into Brantegic today and I'm just like, wow, this is awesome. I remember it just being an idea. I remember it just being a dream. Um, But yet having an organization and leading companies and selling them as I have in my past, Um, there's a lot of experience in my bag. Um, There's a lot of things that you are going to confront in your future that you don't need someone's experiment 
or someone's ideas that don't have no experience attached to it. And I think one of the greatest flaws of this young millennial generation is wanting to get there so fast and thinking that experience is not a key. Um, experiments will get you clients, but they're not gonna keep clients because eventually they're gonna realize you don't have the experience. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it's learning as you go. And again, not trying to get there so fast, but more importantly, make it the goal of getting there prepared. Yeah, so true. And I even remember back when I started Brain TGK, it was like, I want everything now, and I want everything now, but I wouldn't be able to handle what we have now if it wasn't through the chopping wood, the carrying water, the chopping wood, yeah. like, like over and over A hundred percent. And I think, it's, I think it's also, Austin, enjoying the process. Um, I think that, you know, when, when you know, I always say, our, our contention in our life, in our inner life, is between what I call self-image, that's who I am today, and my imagined self on who I wanna be in the future. Yeah. And so when I dream and I visualize my life, I'm seeing it through the lens of my imagined self. Yeah. But when I open my eyes up and I look at myself in the mirror, yeah. I see my self-image. Yeah. And the tension is in between. And I think that God wants us to have vision and he wants us to have focus and, and he wants us to have a destination. He always promised us a destination. That's the imagined self. Um, but he also wants us to live in the state of reality and that's our self image. And between my imagined self that's here and my self image that's here, this space is called process. This space is where character is built competency is built, capacity is built. And if I don't take these next steps because I want to get here so fast, think about all the characteristics, the competencies, the capacities that you're gonna miss out being here, that this is gonna require wiser decisions. You are now responsible for many other people um, and their livelihoods and their careers and their families. And all because you wanted to get there so fast that you were willing to skip the process and get to your destination and you made it such your ambition that it got ahead of your purpose and getting there, you have no character, competencies, or capacities yeah. to stay there. Yeah, I think it's selfish. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's 100%. self-fulfilling and that's not what it's about. You 100%. know, and you even said it, looting, it's about the people. Exactly, and I think People that want to get there very fast yeah. want to impress. Mm. People that know that there's a process want to influence. Yes. Who are you going to be? Yeah. Are you going to be someone who impresses or somebody who influences? Yeah. Someone who tries to impress is insecure. Sure. Someone who has influence has security. Yeah. Someone who tries to impress uh, lacks character. Somebody who has influence has character. Yeah. My goal in life is to influence. It's not to impress. You know, at the end of the day, if you don't like me for who I am, you're probably likely not gonna like me for what I'm becoming. Yeah, okay. And so you might as well fall in love with me right now. Yeah. One thing that I've heard you say that I've caught a lot is the importance of being a secure leader. Yes. Can you, can you hit on that a little bit? Yeah, I think that the greatest trait of a leader, I was sitting down with a leader one day, I flew into South Africa, and um, you know, you always land in South Africa in the morning. Yeah. 
and they, you know, you, 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 to keep you from getting jet lag, you, you got to go on a walk or you got to go on a run. Well, the, the hotel they, they, they always put me at is connected to a mall, which obviously I love it. Yeah. I love to shop. Um, so I'm walking in the mall and I hear this whistle yeah. and I knew the whistle and it was an, a massive influencer um, in the faith world. And uh, to have an opportunity to have coffee with him was like a dream come true. And it turned from a, let's have a cup of coffee to a six hour conversation. And I remember asking this leader, what is the greatest trait that you have seen when it comes to a leader? Just give me one word. And literally I thought he was going to say capacity, competency, anointing it. He said, security. And I said, what? I mean, it just threw me off and he goes, security. And I'm like, whoa, 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 explain that. And he said, the greatest leaders have the greatest security. They understand their strengths. They acknowledge their weaknesses. And they, and they understand that the goal of being a leader is not to get people to follow you. It's to get people ahead of you. Jesus said, he says, greater works will you do than I. A secure leader isn't creating followers. They're creating leaders that are gonna lead beyond them. And so when I have people that I have led that are on larger stages than me, they're influencing leaders greater than I am. It is the greatest compliment to my leadership because I may not be that person getting the applause, but I am that person that influenced that person to get them to that space. And I think that one of the hardest things that a leader has to deal with on a daily basis is their security. Because at the end of the day, you will never be a leader that is going to allow people to rise with influence if, all, if you're the only one that wants it. I always say there's two types of leaders. One hand, there's authoritarian leaders. On the other hand, there's relational leaders. Authoritarian leaders lead from the top down. They suppress. They put a lid of limitation. People can only go so far. Relational leaders lead from the top, from the bottom down, from the bottom up. They push people up, right? The last act that Jesus did with his disciples was he washed their feet. Didn't wash their heads. I'm not gonna lead from the top. I'm gonna lead you from the bottom up and I'm gonna push you further. Jesus reached communities. His disciples reached nations. It's a secure leader that knows that true authentic leadership is not making followers. It is creating leaders that are gonna go beyond you. Totally. And I think in the case of being a leader, there can be ego, mm -hmm. right? It's like, mm -hmm. I, wanna, I want all the responsibility or I want the attention, right? Mm -hmm. But what that ends up being is burnout, mm -hmm. right? And then I can't do everything. And then you kind of hit, hit that lid that you're talking about. It's like the law of the lid. Like you can only go as far as, as the leader. Yeah, 100%. The leader's responsibility begins with, with visioning, and then it begins with putting steps to it, and then it begins to leading it. Eventually, it's gonna lead back to visioning because your company will hit a plateau, and your company needs you to dream. And so you being the CEO of Brandtegic, you know, you don't delegate responsibility more than you delegate stress. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, okay, I'm gonna hire people that are going to 
carry some of the stress that I once carried so that I can have this burden that is easy and, and this burden that is light and this yoke that is easy, right? It doesn't mean that I don't have burden. It just means that in order for Brantigia to get to its next level, it needs you to dream. It doesn't need you to be burdened by the burdens. So a lot of CEOs, their issue is, is that they don't know really how to delegate. They delegate responsibility, but often without authority. I tell, I tell CEOs all the time, I say the best thing you can ever delegate is stress. And if you can delegate your stress, then it allows you to still carry a burden but allows you to dream and go further yeah. and get and, and, and allow those around you to make that happen and, 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 and give them the recognition that is needed um, because at the end of the day, you're the one that's on the plank when everybody else is in the ship. Yeah. And the people that are gonna get the biggest acknowledgement of when this ship comes to port is not the person who's on the plank, yeah. it's the captain who's driving the ship. Yeah. I'm not the captain that's driving my ship. I'm the, I'm the person that's on the plank looking ahead and reporting back to the captain telling which direction it should yeah, go. So good. You nailed it. I think one thing that you nailed was just the notion of, of giving like recognition to other people. Because yes. one of the most powerful things that I've experienced is like watching the employees grow. Like not just in their role or responsibility, but as humans, as in their responsibility as they grow in their leadership. And it's like, that's the most fulfilling thing for me. Yeah. And also frees up my brain capacity, obviously, so I can dream and yes. see the visions and see things that are unseen or the future of Brantegic, what could be. Yes. Talk to me maybe about um, vision a little bit on maybe the, the power of vision, firstly, and then just your take on, on how, to, how to catch a vision, how to see it. Because I think a lot of people, like either they're not visionaries. Like I think you and I are both very futuristic. We see things, we're, we buzz, like we're yeah. creative. But some people can be like a little, little stuck and just unsure. Maybe unlock some ideas for, for people who could be stuck or unsure. And like maybe like, I don't, I don't need a vision. Like I'm fine, like I'm, I'm just coasting. Like I'm yeah. Good. Well, first of all, I think people have to understand what vision is. I think a lot of times people think vision is sight or vision is seeing or vision is future. The truth is, is that we don't see with our eyes. We see through them. Mm -hmm. We actually see with our mind. Mm -hmm. You know, our eyes are just a portal mm -hmm. that gives us something visual for our mind to comprehend. So the reality is, is that if you want to be a visionary leader, it's not having your eyes open, it's having your mind clear. Mm -hmm. You know, the reason why you are able to dream about your future is because you have clarity of mind. Mm -hmm. I don't guard my eyes as much as I guard my mind. You know, my eyes are gonna see anything. My mind is gonna be the one comprehending it. And so at the end of the day, I daily renew my mind. And the reason why I daily have to renew my mind is because my eyes have seen so much that if I don't kill it at its seed form that can be very negative, then it can actually ruin my whole forest. And so the thing that I probably work on the most when it comes to being a visionary leader is having clarity of mind. We have to understand that the goal of, of uh, the, 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 the goal of, the, the actual thing of breaking vision is having clutter. 
You know, when you, where you don't have clarity, you have clutter, right? You can't think right, you can't act right, yeah. and you are a byproduct of your thoughts. Yeah. My actions reflect what's in my mind. Yeah. So I never have to sit there and try to figure what's in someone's head. Yeah. Watch their life, and it tells you everything, right? So first of all, people have to understand that vision is not with your eyes. We don't see with our eyes, we see with our mind. The second thing that we have to understand about vision is that vision often is never for us. It's always for someone else. And um, you know, think about a tree. A tree doesn't grow fruit to benefit from its own fruit that it grows, right? It grows fruit so that others can pick from it and enjoy it. And so true vision is really about the benefit of others. You know, I've learned a long time ago that when, when you ask God for a house, he gives you a tree. When you ask him for a steak, he gives you a cow. And the way God works is you have to work the vision, okay? And so God, give me a house. And he's like, I have. And you're like, no, I'm, I, I, there's no, I'm not living in my house, but I gave you a tree. Out of that tree, if you have vision, you can create your dream house. And so most of us think that we don't have vision when we ask for it. The problem is, is that we're not seeing it the way we should. When I ask for a house, he delivers me a tree. When I ask for a steak, he delivered me a cow. And so I've learned that when I have a vision of something, it is usually already in my possession. I got to work from that to get to where it needs to be. And that's where people get frustrated. I want a big business. Great, we all want that. Yeah. I want a, I want a, you know, seven-figure income. We would all love to be there. Yeah. And when you don't see it, you get frustrated. The reality is, is that it's already in your possession. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't see it yet. Yeah. And the reason why you don't see it is because you're thinking it's coming in this form. Yeah. But God doesn't work that way. Yeah. When you ask for a house, He delivers you a tree. Yeah. And oftentimes, when you think about vision, you also have to think about your tools, you know, what type of tools and skills you have. You know, uh, we, we moved into our, our new home and while it was getting built, um, it was interesting going and seeing the, the progress. And every time I showed up, usually every other week, um, what was interesting about it was the fact that um, different tools were there. And it caught me one day that I said, man, what's interesting is that when I show up on the job site and the tools are left and I know they're gonna go to work tomorrow, the tools tell me what assignment they're about to do. And every other week it just seemed like the tools that were left uh, were different. And when, when we think about vision, we gotta think about what tools do I have in my hand? Because the tools you have in your hand will prophetically tell you what your assignment is next. And so when I started Destiny, when I started these companies that I had and sold, my tools changed along the way because those tools were used at a particular time for what my assignment was with at that time. Today, my, my tools have changed when it comes to leading this, this, this movement. Um, but, but at the end of the day, I have different tools today. That really entails vision. Yeah. You know, if you wanna know what, what's ahead of you to build, look in your toolbox. You have it all. So 
it would never be given to you if you didn't have that. Um, and then I think the other thing about vision, I think it's, it's very important, um, uh, really is patterns. You know, patterns and designs. The Bible is a book of patterns and designs. When God told Moses, build me a tabernacle, he said, build it according to the pattern. And I think at the end of the day, a vision is a pattern. It is a system in which will be created to execute what you saw in the invisible that now is visual. I walked into Brantigic today, but a year and a half ago, you were telling me a little bit about what you saw, the building that you saw, the, the creativity that you wanted along with it. You had all the tools. Now that this is built, you know, God has given you different tools now. And your new tools are prophetically speaking about your next assignment, what you're about to build. Um, but you have to stick to the pattern because the pattern has already been given. Um, and that's the way God works. And I think sometimes we complicate vision when vision is so simple. Yeah, man, I've never heard vision tools, put that way. Uh, I think talent and time. For sure. And I think one thing that you hit on was like, it starts in your mind. It starts in your mind. You know, it's like one thing I always say that I got from you is if there's clutter, you're in the gutter. Yes. If there's clarity, yeah, there's, there's prosperity. prosperity 100%. Yeah. Right? And I'm Absolutely. like, it's so true. So I guess, and then another thing, it's like you have the tools in front of you, right? It's like God, we're believers, right? It's, he's not a, he's not a God of like, I'm going to skip 20 steps, right? It's, it's the next step. Then it's the next step. Then it's the next step. You know it's at the top of the staircase, maybe, but you just got to take, continue to take the next steps to get there. Absolutely. And what tools are in your hands? Because the tools that you have in your hand are going to get you to your next step. You know, when they were doing the framing, what was interesting, man, was that um, the first day I was there, we had the kids come by and write their names in their room on the concrete. But the first thing that was fascinating to me was they were using um, a nail gun. And the speed of putting up the frame was, was in one day. And then you no longer saw the nail gun for the next like three weeks. When I would show up, there'd be no nail gun, but there'd be a bunch of hammers. And now they were getting into the details. And speed was no longer um, the goal. Now it was patience and it was details, right? And what was interesting that reminded me was that we are all called to be master builders, yeah. master builders of our family, yeah. master builders of our life, master builders of our community, master builders of what anything we are entrusted with. Um, and we have to know what tools to have for what season we're building. And at the end of the day, um, you can be in a season right now where it's about patience, yeah. but you have the nail gun. And the reason why you're not going nowhere is because that's not the right tool to pick up. You need to pick up the hammer right now and be very precise and very strategic on what you are hammering so that when that next season comes around and it needs to be expedited, you know I can lay that hammer down, pick up a nail gun and execute it. And I think if we understand our tools, our talent and our time, we will actually build an incredible vision. Yeah, so good. And I even think about tools as like mentors. Absolutely. It's like mentors, my mentors have coaches. changed throughout the years, you know, mm -hmm. just because the business has shifted and just my seasons has shifted. And mm -hmm. it's like, if anybody can listen to podcasts or find mentors, it's like, that's a 
that's probably one of my best tools in my tool belt is just like getting around good people. So going to the foundation, like if we were talking about building a house, obviously the foundation is really important. That's the mind, right? So how do you renew your mind? How do you like, what are some practical ways that people could yeah. catch from this to be like, okay, like I'm going to start implementing this or I'm going to start getting my mind right. No more stinking thinking, yeah. right? Let me, I, I, I'll say all this. And, and, and I think if those of you that are watching, if, if you didn't hear anything, I, I hope we, I hope you walk away with this. And that is your level of life is determined on your level of thinking. Now we say that and we hear it. If we watch, listen to podcasts, we hear it, yeah. but we never digest it. If you can tell me, Obed, your level of life will be determined on your level of thinking. Um, it doesn't cost me a fortune mm -hmm. to educate myself. I can listen to podcasts. I can read books. I can go on the internet and look things up. I spend more time feeding my mind because the level of success that I will have is determined on the daily feeding I do of my life. Um, and nobody is responsible for building my mindset except me. And your mindset will build your skill set. And at the end of the day, if you become more responsible in building your mind and building your thinking, you automatically will give yourself raises and promotions. It will just catch up because at the end of the day, you have, you have built up your level of thinking to match the level of your living. You know, oftentimes when I sit with people, especially young people, they have massive dreams. And I love that, man. And I feel some sort of responsibility in helping them get there. On the other hand, their level of thinking does not, is not even close to the level of the dream they have. And what I try to do is not discourage them. What I try to tell them is, you wouldn't have had this dream if you couldn't comprehend it and articulate it. You've articulated it very well. But the gap is the learning. And any, everything and every moment that I would have, I would try to spend it on learning on what it's gonna take to live in this place. You're not gonna show up to your dream. You are going to think yourself to it. And we've all had to do that. Brantegic was a dream, but you had to listen to podcasts, get mentors in your life. You had to build up your thinking. And once your thinking got to this certain level, it's, it, it collided with, with, with your destiny. And that's what I always say, your reality needs to collide with your destiny. Your destiny awaits you. It's always there. It's what a dream is. A dream is a future picture of what your life can be. That's, that's what, so think about if, you know, think about a, an architect uh, uh, that sits down with a client. What do they come with? Pictures. They know what they want. They see it. It's the end result. It's the job of the architect and everybody else involved to take that picture and manifest it. It takes time. It takes thinking. It takes learning. It takes a strategic planning. 
it takes intentionality. It takes all those things for that picture to become a living being. And at the end of the day, we have to articulate. People go, I'm chasing after my dream. And I go, how? Oh, well, I'm hustling. I go, how? And they're like, well, you know, I'm trying to save up money and da da da. I'm like, you're missing the biggest component. You're not building your thinking because if you did, you will get there a lot faster and you will get there a lot quicker because you've thought your way to that level yeah. of your dream. Yeah, it's crazy how that works. Absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm living it. Yes, you're, you're living it. You're probably living it. Yes. God only created humans. Humans are the only part of God's creation that has imagination. Creativity is in our imagination. Our imagination can take us further from our present state. I can actually see further with my eyes closed than I can with my eyes open. My eyes that are open are limited to how far I can see. When I shut my eyes, I can see into my future as far as I want. Yet, the goal of me opening up my eyes is to get me to the place of what I saw when my eyes were yeah. closed. See those tools. See Use those, those tools. tools. Pick up that nail and so why do you think the adversary, your enemy of life and whatever you may call him, puts stress? Yeah. Where is stress at? In your mind. Yeah. Where is anxiety at? In your mind. Where is depression at? In your mind. Why is it not in your heart? Yeah. Why is it not in your feet? Yeah. Why isn't depression in my hand? Because my hand can only do what my mind tells it to do. My feet can only go where my mind tells it to go. So your enemy doesn't put depression on your feet, doesn't put oppression on your hand, doesn't put anxiety in your fingers. He doesn't put, you know, everything is in the mind. Because at the end of the day, you will only go as far as how clear you're thinking and how much clarity you have towards your future. So good. And I think that correlates a lot with identity. A hundred percent. Like, talk to me a little bit about like identity and how we can build our identity or how that correlates with our vision and imagination. You know, I'm 47 years old. I know like I look, I'm 27, but I'm 47 years old um, and I'm still working on my identity. I say that because um, the first thing that was ever stripped from man was identity. The first thing man ever lost was identity. Um, we have to understand that we are the only creative things created in creation that was created as a reflection. What I mean by that is that when this universe was created, it was created obviously from a person of faith. God created it. And I feel at the end of the day, when he created a tree, it can be a tree and only but a tree. When God created a dog, it's a dog. It could be nothing else but a dog. But when God created humans, he said, I'm gonna create them in my image. He didn't use the word substance, he used the word image, which means humans were created to be a reflection. And so this is why if you take a cat and you give it beer and you say, I'm gonna feed my cat beer every day, nobody is ever gonna call that cat an alcoholic. They're going to call it a cat. Yeah. But take a human who gets addicted. 
you start identifying me now by the reflection that I'm giving off. You're an alcoholic. You see someone on the streets and you see their reflection and you go, that person's on drugs. Because humans were the only thing ever created, not as a substance, but as a reflection. And this is why humans are always in this chase of a substance. And when substance does not, is not used for the glorification of what we are able to become, then that substance actually abuses this body that was created to fulfill a destiny. And so we get substance abuse from that terminology. It's that my, the substance that I've taken on, the reflection that I've taken on is an abusive one. And so I've been given that title. You don't know me as the person, you know me by my substance abuse. But if I take my substance use, not abuse, but use, you're seeing today the entrepreneur, you're seeing today the pastor, you're seeing today the innovator, the creator. That's a sub, because I've taken on the substance and I'm reflecting that in my, in my life. And so we're in this constant chase of identity. When I started dating my wife, I had the identity of a boyfriend. I had to master that identity. I had to learn it. I had to discover it. Um, and then one day I took her to a pier in Redondo Beach and I got on my knees and I proposed to her and that identity changed in a moment. I went from being her boyfriend that I thought I mastered to now becoming that fiance. Now I had to take on another identity. I had to learn what that was, discover who I was going to be in that. Then on, you know, September 8th, 2001, I said, I do. And that identity of a fiance turned into an identity of a husband. And that was now my reflection that people would see of me. And then five years later, we give birth to our first child and I take on now that reflection and that identity as a father. So we're constantly morphing in our identities. Um, and this is why we gotta know who we are first and foremost and not be afraid to add on layers to what that looks like. And so to my children, I'm their dad. That's the only identity they care about. To my wife, I'm her husband. It's the only identity that in some sense she really gets the most out of. Nobody gets any, nobody gets any part of that identity of me being a husband but my wife. But everybody can get part of my identity that's a pastor. That's an entrepreneur. But most importantly, Obed, the person, should be at the core of that. That's what should never change. So don't call me something that I can give you. Call me the person who I am. And when we land up getting in trouble is when we land up taking on the reflection and that reflection overshadows the person who we are. And we wanna give off the impression that I'm a businessman or I'm a millionaire, or I'm a gigolo, whatever that may be, right? But at the end of the day, all I really am is just Obed. And that's the person I want you to get to know. Yeah, people are trying to catch different identities. 100%. In the, in the world of branding and social media, people want to be 
XYZ, but it doesn't match. People doesn't can match. see right through it. Doesn't match at all. And, and you're the only person that can control your narrative. And so for me, I always try to get to know the person even though I know what they do. And even though there's something I know I can benefit from what they do, what good is it if I don't ever get to know the person? And so that's always my endeavor. One thing Sabrina hates when I, what I do a lot, I mean, I think everybody does a lot, is like, oh, what do you do? Yeah. I think that's the first question. Yeah. It's like people identify by what it is they do versus like, let me ask questions about like, where are you from? Yeah. Like, where, what's your story? Yeah. You know? Well, you know, many years ago after my, I had my, I had my, my baby brother pass away tragically and three years later, my sister did. She was 30 years old and at that time I was traveling, doing speaking yeah. and it really, really dealt with me in a way that, you know, for I could say one time in my life, I wanted to end my life. And I ran to a mentor of mine and I said, you know, I really need help. And um, I landed up going to a, a, a therapeutic uh, center in Akron, Ohio, where I could tell you when my life radically changed. And I remember having to fill out this 900 question questionnaire and went off to my apartment that they put me in and then I got a call that afternoon. They said, all right, your therapist is ready to meet with you. How old were you? How old were you? I was uh, 19 years old. Um, I landed up um, meeting him, Dr. Scofora. We walked into the back and we come into this room and it was probably the size of this room, but all the walls were matted and there was a stretcher and I'm like, man, am I that bad, you know? And we sat down and he looked at me and he says, hey, will the inspirational speaker leave the room? And I said, excuse me, because it will the inspirational speaker leave the room? And so I did this, man, I, I kind of cropped forward and I got up and I said, okay, I'll, you know, will you call me back? And he says, no, 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 no. I asked for the inspirational speaker to leave. I want Obed. Can Obed stay in this room? And Austin, I remember that moment as if it was yesterday. For the first time, somebody wanted me. They didn't want what I can offer. And I remember him looking at me and he says, look, you can blame everybody because they all want a piece of you. He said, but at the end of the day, you were the one giving them the product. Mm -hmm. And I wanna park here for a moment, man, because at the end of the day, there's some of you that may just feel like, I just feel like everybody wants me for what I can give them. Mm -hmm. And you go home at night and you lay yourself to bed and you're not that social media phenomenon. You are not getting the likes and the comments And all of a sudden you begin to realize that nobody really knows me. Mm -hmm. And you almost get to a point to where now you believe that nobody really even cares about me. And that's the truth. Because how could they ever care about you if they don't know you? And if all they're ever getting from you is this imagined self rather than just your own self image. Mm -hmm. And I made it a point in my life from that, I made a covenant with myself that when I meet somebody, my first question's gonna be, how are you doing? Not what are you doing, (laughs) 
not what's happening in your life, it's how are you doing? And Austin, over the last, you know, 25 plus years of ministry and 27 years of business, what has brought me success is not my skill. Mm -hmm. What has brought me my success was my kindness. Mm -hmm. People walk away from meeting with me saying, this guy genuinely cares about me. Yeah. I mean, he, he cares about me. And then the byproduct is he can help me however way I need help in. Yeah. And I think that's what this generation is missing. It is this authenticity and this transparency that it's just okay to be you. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, if they don't like you, they're not gonna like what you're gonna become. Mm -hmm. And stop giving them this product and give people you. Mm -hmm. And when you do, um, it's, gonna, it's gonna bring a security inside of you that your products are gonna change. You know, my first business was a printing company. Um, I, I sold it years ago, my second business was a pharmaceutical company. I sold it years ago. And I've taken on all those images, but who I am as a person is still me. My friends, why do you think some of our closest friends are our friends of our past, if we wanna say, that, we didn't, that, that, that became friends with us when we didn't have nothing. Yeah. And there's this sense of relief when I go see my friends and I'm like, man, dude, and we're hanging out. They don't care about my business. They don't care about the church. They don't care about my, you know, all these different, those are things I never brought up. Yeah. It's always, how's your family? Dude, how's your dad doing? How's your brother? You know, and you're just like, bro, you don't understand how much I appreciate being here, you know, and, um, and because everybody else wants to know the exterior part because they all want a piece of it and they bypass the person. People are judged by the fruits, not by the leaves, not by the branches, not by the car they drive, not by this, not by that. And I get, I'm guilty of it too, of, of being on the other end of it, you know? I was on an airplane and one of the things I never do is I always, you, know, you always know that question's coming is, you're having a great conversation with the person sitting next to you. They have a glass of wine and maybe a vodka and you have soda water, right? And you're just having this phenomenal conversation until they go for that big question. What do you do? And you're like, well, do I want this conversation to end or I want this conversation to continue? So who do I tell them who I am? And if I would tell them I'm a pastor, that conversation most likely is gonna end. If I tell them that I'm just, hey, just a, an entrepreneur that has faith in their life, it continues. Um, and I never really understood why. And one day, sitting next to a person on this airplane, we were having a great conversation. And that question came, what do you do? And it just came out, well, I'm a pastor. And man, when I tell you, he kind of crouched down, grabbed his stuff a little bit and, you know, and was like, well, that's good, man. I mean, I'm really glad you're a person of faith. I, I don't believe in none of that. And I said, you know, our conversation doesn't have to end. It's just a title. It's just a position I have. But I am a person. And that conversation carried for three hours or we were on our way from Dallas to Palm Springs. And he became such a great friend of mine. 
Um, and he always refers back to that conversation. And he goes, man, if I would have just shut it down because of this person that you are and judged you by that certain uh, profession, rather than the person who you are, I would have missed out on a lot of things that you gave me over the last few years. And I think that at the end of the day, it just goes back to giving off the person who you are, not the person that you portray yourself to be. Yeah, I think all that ties together with everything, like the mindset, you know, vulnerability, yeah. being secure in yourself to have those conversations. If you, if you don't have any of that, then you're gonna wanna be the social media star, chase these likes, 100%. do all that stuff. I was talking to a friend of mine, and actually, he's a, you know, I mentor him, and, and, and you know, he's getting ready to market his company, and it's great, and he, he shot me over a text and said, hey, what do you think about my business card? And it had his name, and it said CEO and founder of the company. Yeah. And so I text him back, and I go, you really want people to know you're the CEO and founder? And he's like, well, I mean, you know, that's who I am. I said, let's get on the phone. And I said, look, it, if you look at majority of major companies, you would be shocked that none of them have those on their cards. That just brings problems. It brings a bunch of questions and it brings responsibility. And it brings on something that now somebody is looking to get something from you rather than just getting you another person. So I'm always, you know, people when they ask me, you know, what, what do you do at Passionate? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm just part of the founding team and to have the privilege of just um, dreaming with them. But you know, I never say I'm the founder or yeah, the chairman, yeah, 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 yeah. just because then autumn sudden it opens up a door sure. um, that at the end of the day, they may want something from that yeah. and not necessarily get to know the person. Sure, sure, sure. A lot of humility from you. A lot of, yeah. And I, and I think that that comes with security. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's yeah. Really good. All right, a couple more questions. I'm gonna fire these off to you and I just want you to answer quick as we wrap up. How do you define success? I define success by my family. My family life is my greatest legacy. And at the end of the day, if I can't be a great husband and a great father, then I was, then I'm, 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 I'm not leaving anything behind. And I think my greatest asset are my kids and my wife. That's success to me. That's good. What's the key to happiness? The key to happiness is joy because happiness is circumstantial. Your, your, your happiness is determined by your circumstances. So at the end of the day, I don't choose to be happy, I choose joy every morning. So I wake up every morning and I say, I choose to have joy this morning because I'm not gonna allow my day to make a choice for me to have some sort of excitement. I'm gonna make that choice before I leave and that's joy. So the true happiness is joy. What's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Best piece of advice that I've ever gotten was Obed, be yourself. Because if nobody can love you for who you are, they will never love you for what you're gonna become. And at the end of the day, I tell, I pass that on. Matter of fact, I'm speaking to interns tomorrow. And that's kind of my whole theme. At the end of the day, if, you know, be yourself because there's nobody else that can be you. And when you are absent from being you, the earth is missing a piece of only you that can be you because you are an original. So if you work your life being a copycat, the world, the world has missed something that it desperately needed. Sure, or someone else, someone wants you to be. Yeah, 100%. Which happens so much, I see yeah. that too much. 
Um, who's your favorite person to follow on social media? Ha! <laughs> My favorite person to follow on social media. Well, I'm not a big, big, big guy like that. Um, I would probably say my daughter. Okay. Um, I think she, um, I live vicariously through her. Uh, part of it is protecting her, knowing the, the social media side of it. On the other hand, my daughter, um, watching her grow into um, this creative uh, entrepreneur that she wants to be, um, I love watching her post and I love her style and I love what she's creating and so um, she's probably my biggest follower. Who inspires you most? You know who inspires me the most are people. Um, I'm inspired every day having conversations with people um, whether it's talking about a problem that they're struggling with or whether that is talking about a, a mountain they climbed and conquered. Um, inspiration is something that is needed in our lives. And um, you know, you're never gonna grow with just being around people that just are constantly succeeding. I wanna be around people who are struggling as well. Um, and, um, and so for me, my inspiration comes from those um, every day. Every day I'm inspired. I was inspired yesterday. Being here in Seattle, um, I was inspired this morning that, you know, I woke up and it wasn't raining and it was supposed to rain and I brought this good weather from Palm Springs, so I was inspired today. Yeah, absolutely. So, what's the uh, number one book that you give to leaders? Uh, the number one book that I give to leaders is Good to Great. Um, I love Good to Great. I love the Entitlement Cure. Um, I give to all of my leaders. Uh, the entitlement cure. You're either going to be a person that is entitled or empowered. Um, and most of this generation is feels they're entitled. Um, it's why they can't empower. And, um, and so at the end of the day, the entitlement cure and good to great are probably the books I pass on the most. What's the most challenging part of leadership? Most challenging part of leadership is to not get in the way. Um, let people that you have led uh, trust them and trust them even if they make mistakes. The goal is not to prevent them from falling. There's growth in falling. The goal is to be there when they fall to get them back up. Mm. Good question for me. Um, what's harder, leading a church, leading a family, or leading a company? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, um, I think they all have their Oh man, I would probably say leading, ma'am, I would probably say leading my family. Yeah. I think probably the reason why is because I'm emotionally attached to it at its strongest. Um, and so anywhere you're emotionally attached at its strength, you're the most vulnerable to it. Yes. Um, and so um, at the end of the day, I would, I would say my family. Yeah, great answer. I'm nervous to have a family because I'm just going to be like, oh, like yeah. in. I'm like, man, I know yeah. it's going to be a challenge, but. I'm excited. I think all of this is equipping me for it. Oh, absolutely, man. It's making you the best, it's going to make you the best father, best husband. Absolutely. How can people get in touch with you, follow you, see you? We'll put everything in the show notes. Yeah, or... man. Well, you know, I do a life and leadership podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on my IG page um, and our Destiny Facebook. It's 
It's all systems and strategy. Uh, my goal is just to help people, equip people. Uh, the Obed Martinez company is my, my company that has my companies in there. Um, and that's pretty much. Yeah. And guys, this is a person to follow. This is a leader to follow. Follow him on social, like watch his podcasts. He's got so many on the Destiny Facebook page that you can go back, you can watch all of his IGTVs, catch some of the stuff that he's saying. And he lives it, he's a leader of leaders, he's a leader to follow, someone that I'm just so fortunate to be in relationship with. Absolutely. And be able to hit you up and have you come up here while you're in yeah, town, which is on. so good. It was a, I'm just glad to see this, man. I mean, man. this is inspiring to me. You're gonna come back again. And oh yeah, much absolutely. Much more space. Oh yeah, absolutely, more grow. Yeah. yeah. Come on now. Oh man. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Dude. Privilege. Crushed it.